Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Jane Daly in April at the Durango Arts Center and Sunflower Theater when the theme was Rites of Passage. Ever since Jane was a little girl, the natural world has always been her dearest home and interactions with its creatures her deepest connections. She's worked as a nurse, outdoor educator, dog musher, backcountry ranger, raft guide, college professor, horse packer, and wrangler, and now wrangler of young children as a child psychotherapist. Her father, before he passed, offered her a title for the someday memoir of her life that he suggested she write, Adventures of a Seeker. She continues to seek in earnest for glimmers of beauty, hope, and truth in the world, and will someday write that memoir as a gift of gratitude to her father. This story will be in it. Here is Jane's story. As a woman and a Buddhist and someone who loves the natural world more than anything else in this life, my introduction to hunting has been quite complicated and difficult at times. And it feels like an integral part of who I am. I had wanted to learn how to hunt since I was in my early 20s, working as an outward bound instructor in Minnesota. And in the fall time, I would watch my boyfriend go out deer hunting, and he would return with an animal or not, but always with this mystical gleam in his eye, as if he had experienced something very special. And I wanted to experience that. I didn't actually get the chance to learn to hunt until I moved to southwestern Colorado in 2011, and I dated a man who is a master hunter. And he, one fall, invited me, or was it that he allowed me to come to his elk camp? And he would do his morning and evening hunts alone, but during the middays, he allowed me to accompany him on his scouts. And as we examined tracks in the mud and rubs on branches and the smell of ungulate urine, in moist earth. I was like a pig in mud. I loved every minute of it, and I was hooked. But when he and I split, I thought, well, who's going to teach me how to hunt now? And I didn't have to wait long, because a couple months later, at a sweat lodge ceremony, I met a man named Tony, who, as he was leaving, said he was going on an evening turkey hunt. And I said, oh, I would love to learn how to hunt. And he turned and he looked me in the eye and he said, I'll teach you how to hunt. I love teaching especially women and kids how to hunt. And he has been good to his word. He's been good to his word. About a year later, after Tony introduced me to the rudiments of firearms and turkey behavior, I went out one morning alone on a turkey hunt and I arrived in the field late, so I thought, oh, I'm not gonna see any turkeys. But as I drove into this alpine meadow outside of Pagosa, lo and behold, there was this large group of turkeys. So I crept my truck to about 100 yards from them, and I got out and I looked at them through my scope, and even though I knew it was a long shot, I took it. 
The birds scattered at my shot, and I went over to see if I had downed one, but I hadn't. So I did a big loop around that area, hoping to run into them again, but I didn't. So dejected, I was returning to my truck, and I looked up, and there was a lone hen, and she was limping badly, and I thought, oh my god, I've broken her leg and I'm gonna to have to put her down so she doesn't suffer anymore. So I raised my rifle and I squeezed the trigger and it went click. Aghast, I looked down and I realized I had lost my whole magazine in my travels. And I knew the only thing I had on me to put her down with was my buck knife. So I approached her and at this point she's squawking loudly and she's flapping wildly and her wings are getting caught in this oak brush she's gotten herself into. And as I knelt down beside her and I reached out my hand, I thought it's so curious that she seemed to allow me to gently push her head forward. I severed a spinal cord with my knife and at this point I'm sobbing and I'm saying I'm so sorry and you're so beautiful and thank you, thank you. As I field dressed her, I was struck so profoundly with two experiences. One was of deep gratitude for her life that would now nourish mine, and for the air I breathe, and the water that flows at the sun that shines on my face, and everything, everything. And I also thought, my God, we eat other living beings in order to live. Who thought of that? <laughs> a couple years later, I'd progressed enough that an acquaintance's friend, Dan, agreed to take me on a deer hunt. And as we were making our way up this steep slope one morning, and I was cursing Dan under my breath for making me bushwhack through this thick oak, all of a sudden he said, psst, and he pointed uphill as if to say, there's one up so we crept to the top of this knoll and as we as we topped out lo and behold was the most beautiful five by five buck turned broadside looking at us and I started breathing hard and Dan started breathing hard and he shakily stood up his walking stick indicating I should rest my rifle on it and I looked through the scope and I said Dan crosshairs are moving all over the place and he whispered back steady him as much as you can and boom before I was quite ready I had squeezed off around and like lightning that buck had spun and bolted out of sight and Dan laid his hand on my arm and he said calmly wait we need to wait so we don't push him any farther so we waited a good 45 minutes and then we tracked that deer for a good hour, finding only minuscule specks of blood and ever-disappearing tracks. So finally Dan said, I think you just nicked him, and he's okay, and he's gone. Well, I came back to that same place that next morning, and as I was making my way up alone, up that same drainage, I heard this loud crashing in the brush to my right. and. <laughs> Out of the oaks rose the blondest black bear I had ever seen. 
He stopped on the slope above me and he looked down at me gently panting and the sun shone through his hide with the most golden aura of bareness. And in a moment I thought, I wonder if he's sitting on my deer. And so after he disappeared over the top of the knoll, I went over to where I'd spooked him up, and lo and behold was that five-by-five buck that I had wounded and that bear had taken down. And I said out loud, Brother Bear, I am honored for you to have this deer. Eat well, my friend. And I left. Well, this last deer season, I hunted hard all 10 days. I was up at 3.34 every morning in the field before first light. I was doing evening hunts as well. I missed shots on two deer that surprised me in different ways. And as I drove into the field that last morning, I said, well, that's okay. Maybe next year. I know I've hunted hard and I've learned a ton. But as I drove into this area I was going to hunt, I could see two of the most magnificent bucks silhouetted on the skyline on the ridge above me, their heads turning and watching me drive in. And I thought, oh, damn, those old boys are not going to be fooled by me now that they've seen me. But I'm going to go to this other ridge and sit and hope something else comes into the area. But it didn't. So I got up to leave, but as a last thought, I decided to do one last arc around the back of that bowl, and I thought to myself, I'm going to act like I'm stalking those bucks, but I'm not going to see them again. So I stalked my way around the back of that bowl and then up that same ridge where I'd seen those two bucks, and when I topped out, lo and behold, was one of those bucks not a hundred yards below me, turned broadside, looking at me. So I dropped down and I crept to the edge of that ridge just hoping that buck would just keep staying and he did. And I raised my rifle, I looked through my scope and the crosshairs were going up and down and up and down with my breath and I thought, Jane, you have got to calm yourself. If you are going to take a shot, it has got to be a steady one. So I took several long moments to calm my breath. And then that buck moved his head as if he's going to leave. And I thought, it is now or never. And boom, that shot rang out loud in that little bowl. And that buck hopped. And then he trotted 10 yards and then disappeared around an oak bush, his tail flickering as he disappeared. And I could hear Tony and Dan's voice in my head saying, wait, you need to wait. So I did. And 10 minutes later, that buck comes out into a little clearing, and boom, I took another shot, and he just kept walking. But I waited. And soon a magpie came to a light on a bush right where I'd seen that buck last, and a raven started to circle that same place. And I thought, I believe these birds are telling me something. So I crept down in this arc, and as I approached that little clearing where I'd seen him last, Lo and behold was that four by five buck laying still, his antlers reaching into the sky. And I said out loud, I can't believe it. (laughs) And I dropped down on my knees and I started praying this song to help his spirit pass to the other side. When I got my cedar out that I'd collected 
from my father's land right before he died. And I blessed that buck, and I thanked that buck. And as I started to gut that buck by myself, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to have my mentors here, Dan and Tony, to share this with me? And then immediately to my mind came that Lao Tzu phrase that says, the good leader is one who, when the work is done, the people say, we did it ourselves. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jane, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. A list of our live storytelling events in 2019 is also on our website on the events page. Subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and share these stories with your friends. If a particular story makes you laugh, cry, or look at your world with a little bit more clarity, please leave a comment and let us know. Big thanks to our photographer, McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website, and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. And thanks to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about the wonderful projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado at mancusvalleyresources.com. The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Check out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com. And our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook. Now for an outtake. <laughs> Mosher. Dog. She's a moosher. She mooshes dogs. You know how you moosh a dog? Let me tell you a second. You take a very small box and a very large dog and you moosh no, it <laughs> until it no. fits in the box. No, that's horrible. It is. She's a horrible is... person. <laughs> she mooshes dogs for a living. They paid her to do that. Can you believe that? No, Tom. No, Tom. <laughs>